0: Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys and the Brew Bar.
1: Everything sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer?
0: Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Bill and Ted's edition. Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me as always, your friend and mine, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Say hello, Tom. I got a full-on robot chubby. (laughs) Ha ha. A perfect example of the lowbrow comedy that exists simultaneously with the highbrow comedy in this movie. But
1: it is also, I would argue, low and highbrow comedy. Yeah, because right. It's, you know, this there's a lot of me, there's a lot of uh, metaphysical discussion in this movie. Plenty. And I and I'm gonna say, do robots get boners Is a uh, Perfect example it's, of that. It, exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but, I mean, even on the level of genre, the fact that, you know, the, the movie is able to have fun at the expense of its own clunky science fiction trappings right, tells me everything you need to know about how confident, That's confidently actually... it attacks right. the genre it's in.
0: Well, because... I'm blanking on Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, the the original director. But the original director didn't want to come back specifically for that reason. He always felt like Bill and Ted was a parody of sort of an amalgam of different sci fi movies well, and that this would end up being a parody of a parody. Right. Well, he's not wrong, but he's i find not wrong, that... but he's entirely missed the point. I mean Exactly, yeah.
1: <laughs> This is just this is the same, but more so. You know, it's like, yeah. (laughs) I think, but they, you know, they play those references intelligently, comedically,
0: and Mm -hmm. um, what more? What more could you ask for? Well, based on our ranking episode, we know I'm an unabashed fan. And And I think you are just as big. I have a
1: couple of nitpicks with this movie, and that is it. And they're not big deals. And they're not really the fault of this movie. They're the fault Mm of 1991.
0: All right. Well, we'll get (laughs) to get to it. So we are, in fact, ladies and gentlemen, talking about Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, a 1991 film directed by Peter Hewitt. You know Peter Hewitt, Tom and Huck, Thunderpants. Do you know that movie? We, you know, we have actually talked about Thunderpants on this podcast. I, 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 I had an inkling that Thunderpants might have been. There was a... you brought when up we Thunderpants did the Harry for some Potter episode, series, didn't you? When we did the Harry
1: Potter series, Harry Potter, I, rem- I, I vaguely remembered that there, that that um, Ron Weasley was in. I, we were talk com, We were like comparing right. everyone's
0: cuz I hadn't heard of it right. at the time. We were comparing and Now I'm asking you if you've heard of it and you're the one that told me. Great. <laughs> we 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 were comparing
1: <laughs> the different like post Harry Potter career trajectories of the of the leads. Right. And you know, and I made the point that for a while run one Ron Weasley had to sort of settle for movies about uh, a fart-powered, a farting child, a, a fart-powered, yeah, fart-powered,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, he also did uh, some some definite "How dare you" nominees: Zoom and Garfield. Hmm. And then he did. He's done another sequel: Home Alone: The Holiday Heist, Whoa. which I'm sure is one of those direct-to-videos. He's uh
1: he's a he's a little bit like that video Hitchcock guy. Was it Don Michael Paul? Oh yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Who did a couple of the Tremor sequels, and his his uh right, his resume is is sort of pretty much, pretty much entirely video. But I sequels. find
0: this fascinating that this you know guy, uh, the guy Peter Hewitt that gave us Garfield and Zoom, gave us such a interesting, mm. intelligent, philosophical movie. Right.
1: And a lot of that I mean, a lot just, of that's there in the screenplay but yeah he does have to occasionally has to bring that out artistically and dramatically and I
0: think he does a great yeah. job at that. Yeah, I do too. I mean this movie also only has 56% oh. on Rotten Tomatoes. See, this is That's that's criminal. Is, that really makes me sad. I don't think people got it.
1: I don't think people got it. I think I think it's misremembered as a as a misfire. Oh. I think Face the Music is part of that problem. I think, because it, it's almost situating itself mean? as a direct sequel to Excellent Adventure. Well, we talked about uh-huh. this on the previous episode. Yeah. And I think because there is this slight embarrassment about Bogus Journey, which is...
0: Which is absurd. Which is
1: absurd. And, you know, you get this with, with any movie that takes a, a certain formula known for its lightness into darker territory it's almost automatically seen as a yeah. bad move which is lud i mean absolutely ludicrous and especially in
0: this it's planet. ludicrous for one and also in this particular example i mean there's darkness in the movie but there it, it's not a lot even the fact that you're dealing with the grim reaper because you have oh i don't know this amazingly heavy, talented like, actor this movie gets pretty What's heavy that? i mean
1: they die 20 minutes into the movie they
0: die and they go to hell right but
1: you don't know when you're watching but it because... that they're not dead forever <laughs> and that really
0: struck me in this viewing <laughs> so but but even that like the only the only part that really truly feels dark is after lucifer or beelzebub himself sends him sort of into that world of twilight zone and german expression of, of, of child um, sadness but, but that's you, dark you look at all that you but, look
1: at like all you go online you see like what are the top google images for this movie it's that horrific stuff it's alex winter dressed up as his as his own evil grandma yeah the fucking easter bunny the yeah by the way <laughs> the i proto- have a Pan's that...
0: labyrinth hell maze yeah Right. But I do have a note here that the uh, one of the IMDb notes was, this is the only movie in the history of cinema to fe- feature both the Grim Reaper and the Easter Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think says it all. It, it, it does, yeah. <laughs> well, this movie had a budget. Also, this kind of makes me sad and mad. Uh, budget of twenty million dollars, an opening weekend of ten point two, but in the USA and the world, only thirty eight million dollars. Hmm. I I I think you're right when you're saying that people thought of this movie as a misfire. So. And that really is astonishing to me. It is. It's. Because if you're a lover of film mm, right. how could you not like this movie?
1: I, 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 do, I do with think all, that. everything
0: it's drawing on and referencing? I think I think it's it's
1: It's so self-conscious about, about kind of flipping flipping the script. I wonder whether
0: You think the movie's self-conscious about it?
1: yeah when you kill your characters 20 minutes into the movie and have an extended sequence in hell I think you're going into darker territory than say you know Beethoven playing an electric guitar or whatever happens in like I haven't seen it in years excellent adventure it's
0: yeah but i I think I don't think they're self-conscious about it
1: what the, the, this I is think the they're darker, making a bold the, choice this is the this is meant to be darker material than the original yeah. You don't think it's self-conscious, you think it's an
0: accident. No, I think it's purposeful. I do too, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I thought you meant self-conscious in like No, I meant self-conscious you know, they don't in, feel good in about artistic it. terms. No. No, I don't think it's okay. insecure
1: about it at all.
0: Yeah, like insecure. Yeah. The
1: movie's called Bogus Journey.
0: And right. as I understand in the <laughs> right. Bill and Ted
1: lexicon, bogus is the opposite of excellent. Right. No, I think they're going for that full throttle, and I think. Okay, I'm glad we're on yeah, the same. Yeah, I just think. Thank you. I, I think, you know, I think audiences and critics. It sounds like. Think that that's autom- like that's automatically a mistake, that it's not. Bright. Right. Right. That, that that it was accident that it was accidental that it was it was not being able oh, to handle I thought you meant a mistake material. as
0: in just the wrong way to go
1: the wrong way to go but also that they'd somehow fluffed the material when in fact when you watch this that, movie that's absurd, that though. Is absurd like that's absurd because when
0: you watch that's... but when
1: you watch the movie it's very very clear that this is the direction they wanted to go in mm-hmm. um and they did everything to to make that a case it's also you know just from a purely sort of just in terms of originality you know the the screenwriters oh, are asking the yeah. question. Okay, we've done time travel. What's next? Mm-hmm. Let's go to the afterlife. Right. We've got a dichotomy there. We've got heaven and hell. That can be our past and our present this time.
0: Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Yeah, but they're 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 drawing on so much more too because they're they're drawing on the idea of people that are subject to free will meaning that they like you know they have to find themselves and their purpose in life yeah and the only way these two characters can find their way back to the purpose that they're supposed that you know they know they're supposed to get to this concert right. and they have to go through death to do that yeah. but they're the two perfect vessels to go through death because nobody's ever beaten death right I, I i mean we're not really there yet but anyway I like it's just working on yeah. it's drawing from such deep wells yeah. that make me admire this movie so much there, there's a there's a um a psychological
1: depth and mm-hmm. there's a sin illiterate depth here that makes all the difference for yeah. me but yeah maybe you know two or three years later everyone's you know, creaming over Pulp Fiction. Maybe it was just two, three years too early. Too early, maybe. And they didn't see it coming in a bill. You know, in a Bill and Ted sequel.
0: Oh man! I mean, I watched this movie and I, I sort of lamented that it's not. Yeah. Up, it's not up there in the upper echelon and stratosphere of what people think about for sequels. Cause it's that good to me.
1: Yeah, and I I always held it in really high on its regard. own
0: and as a sequel. Say again? On its own and as yeah, a sequel, because yeah. like you said, you know, we already went to the past and we 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 brought back some of of history's most famous and important people. What do we do now? Well, let's kill them. Yeah. <laughs> but but like not just kill them. Let's have them go through an existential. And let's meet Crisis. their evil
1: doppelgangers with... as well. That's like yeah, one of right. the first things yeah. that happens in the movie. By the way, this series as a whole, I have never known a film series that is more concerned with creating alternate versions
0: of their oh, leading car- characters
1: yeah. than this series.
0: I know. Yeah, I mean, it's a fetish. It, go- it's it a goes. It goes really bananas. It goes on. Ba- it goes bananas in the next. It goes film. bananas in the next film, but in this film we get. And I'm not talking like just a bunch of bananas. <laughs> Or like a tree of bananas, I'm talking a plantation of bananas. Right. That you couldn't see from have A banana rama, you know, if you will. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> but but even you know, here we have we have uh we have ghost bill and ted, evil bill and ted. Right. Uh two kinds of
0: robot bill and ted. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that there was a second yeah. a second group of robots. I mean
1: it's duality gone wild. Yeah. Even like one of our, one of the supporting characters in the movie is two people that turn into one. Yeah, exactly, right. Which by the way is never explained and I love that.
0: And I love it. That's another Did reason why the screenwriting
1: know that... is on point. Do not explain something that is just brilliant and it's just yeah. in there because we want to see it. You do not have to do I that.
0: also I also read a note that station was oh, stationed because of a typo <laughs> in the script. <laughs> and they just kept it. Which is like amazing.
1: It is, it's phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal. Uh,
0: well, did you have any notes, by the way, on uh, the title, the title card? Because I, I, when the bogus kind of <laughs> uh, I, balloon. Got... I was like, they—they're even doing a joke with the title of the film. Oh, not a second of this movie is wasted. Like exactly from
1: from second one to the end of the final credits, not one second of this movie is wasted. Well, my my first notes are even before the unsurprisingly before the movie begins with the Orion. Were you happy to see the Orion logo?
2: It just (laughs) makes me so
0: happy.
1: It so doesn't make me happy of too. My youth that I That's hold, my first note. That I hold dear begin in this fashion. On
0: my paper it says uh Orion logo slash uh bogus journey title. Well cuz yeah immediately exactly. This was a double hit of
1: nostalgia for me because you also get that right. early 90s stretch lettering in the titles which yeah, I associate right. with again all time great movies like *Speed* and *The Fugitive*, and it made me mm-hmm. wonder where did this go.
0: This is such a yeah. lovely aesthetic. Where? What, what? Why would you? Why would you go move away from I also, that? I also, I also remember any time I saw the Orion the Orion logo, I always felt safe <laughs> in the sense of I was gonna see a good movie. <laughs> oh, I thought-, <laughs> I thought you meant like. As in,
1: like, (laughs) I didn't even think you meant in movie terms. I felt like, no, like your like your parents instead of giving you a babysitter (laughs) would just put on, you know, right, an Orion movie. And so when you saw that logo, you knew I'm not in the house alone. I have a babysitter. (laughs) It's Peter Weller, but I have a babysitter.
0: That's no, yeah. Saying. I i I just <laughs> But yeah, absolutely. My parents dropped me off at one of those piece of shit, you know, twentieth century movies. No. I whenever I saw the Orion logo as a kid, I remember thinking I'm gonna see a good movie. It's be- I mean it's beautiful, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, it's and I was so happy to see it
1: I wasn't for face I the knew, music. I too. knew it was a cheat. I was shocked. And it was lying to us. But we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, because it
0: didn't come through for me on that one. I,
1: and and the um, the actual title, I've I, I I have it here as a Save by the Bell style graphic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But it's really interesting because you. Well, and we're doing a lot of stuff with that. When you see when you know when we go into the future, mm-hmm. and people are walking around and they've got their ultra huge boots on but it also it all it all smacks vaguely of super mario brothers doesn't it which was super popular yeah. at the time well it's just like I think they're drawing on stuff like that but
1: there's there's these really interesting contrasts and counterpoints which you know is where the the artistry of it is because you have this like when we arrive in the future the set design of this Future is kind of cubist, I would say. Yeah, it has a kind yeah. of Picasso-like edge to it. But then you've got the the kind of comic book style of the titles, and again, so you have that that juxtaposition of high and low, mm-hmm. which is all working together. And then in terms of costuming, it's like a full-on kids cartoon. It's like something I'd show to right. my kid on Nickelodeon. Um, yeah, but the set design is is austere, like hard sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So you have this... Immediately you have this mix of goofy and grounded that's just... I mean, it speaks to the richness of the whole movie. And yeah. then Joss Ackland turns up and you're like, fucking hell, I mean, we're... We're, 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 like, we're setting a high bar here, right? It's sort of like... Because right. you expect... The first that you expect... What? You expect uh, George Carlin to return, obviously... Let's just throw in one of the greatest character actors of of the age.
0: Well, and I have something to say about Joss Acklin, too, because you're right, one of the greatest character actors we ever had. But he also, from what I've read, only did the movie because family members kind of wanted him to, and he wasn't super happy. Like He didn't get it, and he didn't think it was very good. And he always even kind of regretted doing the movie. There you go. There's another reason
1: why... people might, there's another publicity reason. Might think less of it.
0: Yeah. But, but it reminds me of our, our chat for mannequin. When we're talking about GW Bailey, who said, we really thought we were (laughs) making a movie that nobody would see and blah blah. blah." but you never see it in the performance. Well, that's professionalism, isn't it? It's just, and yeah, yeah, I mean, Joss Acklin brings exactly what you want Joss Acklin to bring whenever you see him on screen. And, and,
1: this is not specific to maybe this movie, but just excellent adventure as a, as a franchise. But it struck me that you have George Carlin and you have the phone booth. Mm-hmm. So you've got you've got a reference to sort of one of one of the great. I mean, comedian is reductive. One of the great right. spoken word artists of the last thirty years. Oh, are you kidding
0: me? The the Stratophonic Oxygenatic Amplifier Graphophonadella Verberator? Yeah. Because you know he wrote that himself. You've, you've got to think.
1: Oh, well, at least he has he has the dexterity and the and the dexterous tongue to make it work. Or, you know, yeah. it's like, it's one of the same. Or it was written for him and he nailed it, whichever way it came out. But <laughs> at the, the phone booth is... A, but he is delivers
0: the... it in just the, you know, yeah. in the exact tone that you expect from George Carlin. Right. And, and it warms your heart. <laughs> it does. But you have And the it fo- actually ends up lasting for the whole movie because another thing I forgot was how little he is yeah. in the movie. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um and then you you know, you have the phone booth, which is a which is do- straight out of Doctor Who. It's one of those probably one of the uh the parody elements that the director of Excellent mm-hmm. Adventure was talking about, because that's a straight rip from right. time traveling. Phone box is the essence of Doctor Who. Interestingly, Doctor Who cancelled the 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 first iteration of Doctor Who cancelled in nineteen eighty nine, the same year that Excellent Adventure came out, which I find fascinating. Right. Um but but overall it just reminded me that it's not just Mike Myers who's thinking of these transatlantic nineteen sixties pop culture references. Mm -hmm. Like clearly this is going on in the Zeitgeist more than more than just Mike Myers. Like other people are having uh, making these kinds of references.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say if it's literally in the zeitgeist or if there's just a few people who like the same things. You yeah, know? and yeah,
1: so I mean, this this scene this scene is fantastic for for so many reasons.
0: You're I talking about
1: it, with Carlin and well, the, well, the whole I mean, the whole scene. The like we 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 do something that a lot of sequels do, where they kind of. They're trying to find an interesting way to do a kind of, to recap the the previous yeah. movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have the same note.
1: With the historical figures coming out of the phone booth. And they're sort of like, mm-hmm. they've given you the first movie in a
0: microcosm there. It, it, yeah. It, in under 20 seconds, they've given you the first movie.
1: Uh, which is more interesting than simply doing a recap montage or just saying it in
0: dialogue. Right. Um. Is this the first time we're seeing that? Sort of in this form? The recap in this way? It's. I can't think of
1: any other. It's just. It's. It's basically. It's just an allusion to to what we're and the phone booth itself. Of course, the return of the phone booth. The return of Rufus. It's just. But it's like how he. It's front loading with the movie with what we're familiar with and catching us up, but in a way that doesn't doesn't feel leaden or artificial. Mm -hmm. To the to the story that to a new story that we're starting to tell. Yeah. Um. I thought I mean again I thought immediately thought of the the kind of uh the having Rufus have a nemesis in denomalos like yeah. immediately went his to his gym teacher his turns out to be his gym teacher I mean come on I mean this this is comic this comic book or fantasy movie stuff like I thought of the X-Men you know uh mm-hmm. Magneto
2: and
0: Magneto Dr. and Xavier, Professor, uh, yeah. Darth
1: Vader and Obi Wan Kenobi. It's the same dynamic. Yeah. Kind of played out. And
0: uh I was just I was in, uh, you get the cyberpunk. Well, and day- you get some wordplay jokes too, When yeah. he says time time will tell. He says time has told. There's so
1: much wordplay, I mean, in the in this this first sequence. Um the the terrorists are these kind of cyberpunk day glow mm hmm looking people reminds
0: you a little of batman forever it does
1: and it's like the most and so like the set design is the most timeless looking science fiction married to the most dated looking right costume design which I, again i think i think is beautiful because you know you there's it works on two levels you know it's it's a movie that's clearly part of the early 90s but it's also part of a more of a of a less date of a more sort of universal idea of what science fiction is. And that's all going on at once. Right. It's just more interesting than than
0: like just having one of those elements, I suppose, as well. Well I agree. Why don't we uh, take a first break and then we'll come back, how about that? Alright. We'll be back everyone, right after this.
1: They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sheriffs guiding you up a foamy headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer.
0: We're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here gushing over Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Uh, You know, we're talking about this front half or the, you know, kind of first scene in the movie, Tom, and it occurred to me, too, that, you know, you have this simplified, easy way to sort of catch the audience up with everything from the first movie, but then they also take just a couple minutes via the evil robots to explain the narrative of this movie. Yeah. Yeah minus the going to hell
1: right and and even uh, I, even more than that i'd say that this is a you know this is a classic Imbass, mm-hmm. because the first bill and ted we see are evil robot bill and ted right so immediately you're there's a sequel inversion of character type you got, and, a, a, you and got yourself an inversion right yeah. <laughs> um and i have the same thing here about we're, we're resetting the expectations for the tone of this sequel because mm-hmm. here you have Bill and Ted doing Bill and Ted stick but in a darker and more dystopian context yeah so already something's feeling off in a good way in an in a and very also, good like
0: way. remarkable work with the bots themselves and the skin Excellent and like,
1: latex and animatronics the la- Just, it, oh this it
0: looks in so, so many amazing. ways
1: this movie feels like the last hurrah of practical effects mm-hmm like we 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 we're just we're going to do ever we're going to push the envelope because
0: well I also our find it interesting yeah you know? I mean I find it interesting that this movie comes out the same year as Terminator 2
1: I made that comparison as well uh, and yeah. again that that almost you know that that almost in, intangible combo of practical and di- uh practical and video effects mm
2: mm-hmm. mhm
1: and they it melds just as well here, and in, in a more in a low key way. But it's yeah, it's the same kind. It's that it's working off the interaction. That's where you get good effects from. And there was mm-hmm. like I think I think we realize that now. But there's a good, like the thirty years in between.
2: <laughs>
1: sure, of course, like yeah. <laughs> everyone was we were just heading in one direction, and now you know special effects artists are coming out and saying. You know, the best kind of effect is if you don't know if it's practical or digital. Right. But as we saw with this in Terminator Terminator 2, we knew this in 1991. We just forgot it. Right. We absolutely knew. We just made both elements as good as they could be.
0: Well, and I remember saying the same thing to Lady Chu for the the How Dare You podcast. We were doing Nightmare on Elm Street, and there's that moment where Freddy's kind of coming out of the wall. Mm Mm-hmm. Or the ceiling, or you know, yeah. it's kind of a slanted, but you know, that's a practical effect. They literally just put a sheet over a hole in the wall and the person went through it, but yeah. it looks digital almost, yeah. And right, you know, because you're not supposed to know, because that's the point of an effect, because that's the point, exactly. <laughs> and even the moments where you're seeing the effect as an effect in this movie, it's for a desired effect yeah, <laughs> from the right. filmmakers, you know, exactly. Yeah, they're hide. They're
1: hiding behind the um, the kitschiness of it. Yeah, but you exactly. can absolutely tell when they're going for that, and when they're just trying to give you a, a re, like a realistic
0: looking effect. Mm-hmm. Like and it gives co- you. I mean, we're not there narratively in the story yet, so maybe I'll wait. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll save it. Okay. Uh, at at any rate, Pam Grier. My next, yeah, that's where I was going next. Pam okay. Grier.
1: But by the way, I got to say, you know, as with the historical figures in the phone coming out of the phone booth, there is no better way to reintroduce the major legacy characters than through a band intro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've woven it into the story there. Yeah, smart screenwriting, and throughout this movie, but but especially there, and and. At this point, I'm starting to realize. Oh, okay, so literally every supporting character in this franchise is played by the most established and best in their field. Yeah, right. Pam Grier, George Carlin, Joss Ackland. Later on, we're going to have Taj Mahal uh-huh. as the voice of God. I mean, <laughs> it's it's just it's an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, it's it. it I it, it's incredible. And you know, William Sadler doesn't have the fame behind him, but still, there is no better character. There is no better I think character, that, character But
0: but you know, if you talk to a movie lover and you mention That's William it. Sadler, like the people who know, you, you know.
1: But perhaps not at this point. But it's this. It's definitely. I mean, it's the same level of quality. Mm-hmm. But these people are recognized. You know, like recognized as the best in their field. Going into this movie, that's what strikes me. I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a nice Star Wars wipe here. That's what. Well <laughs> and I, know. I was trying to think: is this the late '80s, or is it a homage to Star Wars? It, probably both, because right. this is it's that interesting a movie that's probably both.
0: Um, I, I and that's the thing is that. I mean, you said it earlier. What you said was, "There's not a single second of this movie is wasted." No. And it just lends to my next thought, which is, I mean, everything is so purposeful in this movie. Every choice made, both in the writing and the directing. Yeah. Which makes me wonder, like, how this guy. What's wrong with the world?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The. Do you remember if the military recruiter that we see is from the original movie or is he a brand new character?
0: Cuz I have a bad uh, record I, of I this. watched the original, I watched it. Okay. Maybe a year ago, but I I I want to say a new character. I don't remember. I think he is. Chelsea feels, Ross being in the first one, but I could be wrong.
1: But he feels borderline in that it feels like we've seen this guy before but i actually mm-hmm. think we haven't and i think the reason he feel feel like we've seen him before is because he feels completely organic right. to the, what we know about bill and ted to the gen x paranoia about having another vietnam and having to be bra- drafted and have,
0: and, ha- and yeah and and having to go having to be drafted and we have another another self-aware
1: sequel inversion here, which is like, you know, an imbass, but it's called out for what it is, where Missy swaps dads. Yes, I know. <laughs> I mean, what, you know, way to keep it on point in terms of characterization.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's just just uh, excellent. And I excellent love that work. they keep that in the next film, too. Yeah, kind of. It doesn't work as well. No. But. I don't know if I should save this for the next movie,
1: but I, do, I, I, I have an analogy as to what the next movie is in relation to this one. Well, I'll keep it. Keep it. It's a good one. It's a good one. I don't want to I want to blow it now because we're being, you know, want to stay positive.
0: Right. Because... It's funny, too, because we mentioned Pam Greer hmm. and. Peak hotness, by the way. Peak yeah. Peak hotness, Pam Greer, I think. Oh, man. But it also... I
1: don't want to ogle her too much because right. that apparently is the job of the movie to do that.
0: But <laughs> um. but it also struck me that, you know, it's 1991, so we're six years away from Jackie Brown. Yeah. And, you know, she doesn't have a lot to do in the film. No. So so it's one of those things where, you know, you you love that she's in it. Yeah. Like, I love having her, but it also feels like a waste of her talent. I wouldn't say, oh, I think she's, I think she's well used actually overall,
1: but it takes the whole movie for you to realize how important she is in the movie. Right.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: And I I see why they cast someone. But the other thing is. Of her star in it. Yeah. Like I get that totally. Because
0: her gravitas, her gravitas kind of lends to the, the bit at the end. Yes. So that works.
1: And then um, something I remember from my very first viewing of this is the we see Bill and Ted watching the a rerun of Star Trek. Yeah. So William w- William Shatner clambering over Vasquez Rocks is it the which, Gorn
0: Rock episode or what's it called?
1: Yeah. Uh, oh. Well, this exposed the limits of
0: my nerddom um well this this i have the same i have the that exact but i just i I do love that they have that episode on a television that they're watching and and then it's you know we're going to be that's where they're going to be thrown off a cliff yeah and it works on two levels because we all know
1: that that's vasquez rocks which would be accessible to bill and ted geographically Mm-hmm. So you're both reenacting Star Trek, but you're also making reference to where the actual locate geographical yeah. location where it was filmed at the same time, uh, which again is that brilliant postmodernism that this movie encapsulates. Mm-hmm. But I also thought that like Star Trek's are really good at this point, sort of like it's it's Gen Xy enough not to seem like pure nerddom.
0: Yeah. Right. It's like,
1: and the same thing happened in Wayne's World too with Bob Odenkirk and Robert Schmeagel. It's like, we're not those nerds. Yeah. We're nerdy, right. but we're not those nerds. And I felt exactly the same thing here. It's like, we watch reruns of Star Trek late at night because we're Gen X. Yeah. But we're not ner- You know, we're not nerds. We're not full on nerds. We like <laughs> we don't know the name of the episode. We know it's the one where he climbs up Vasquez Rocks. You know, it's that right. kind of thing. Yeah. And then h- here's uh, probably the first, like, in this scene, when where evil robot Bill and Ted and regular Bill and Ted meet, mm-hmm. um, the built-in awareness of repeating yourself in sequel form, because they says Ted, it's us. Bill says Ted, it's us again. Yeah, yeah, All right. <laughs> Which is a phenomenal line. It's a fantastic line <laughs> because you're aware that you're doing the same thing again, but the dramatic irony is it's not it's not the same. <laughs>
2: Well, and I <laughs> But, also they like but the... the
1: characters
0: don't know that it's not just yeah. them from the future. So it's brilliant. Brilliant premise. But I also like this moment where Ted takes Bill aside and goes, Dude, I don't know, but I don't really trust them. Yeah. <laughs> and they have to make that decision as well, you know? And of course his instinct was right, but because they've been through everything that they went through in the last movie. Yeah. I, I just really appreciated the time they took to, to... Yeah. The characters realized something was off, and then they talked themselves out of it, you know? That's it.
1: That's great. And the next thing I have is that they, they die, which, talk about big swings. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no bigger. Killing right? off your... your titular characters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Psycho is not called Marion Crane, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you you killed him off um and you know this it, is like uh Bruce Willis getting off the plane and then getting hit by a car and die hard right it's you know and um, uh,
1: you know so you're like you know this is this is a a lot darker than you're expecting but you've been expecting it because of the way the movie's set up mm-hmm. so that's why that's why it's not that's why it's not a failure and maybe
0: but Critics this is also when we start drawing from that. the well, and we're going to get into Ingmar Bergman, and we're going to get into the Seventh Seal, and just seeing, yeah, you know, just, I mean, just it's a high art reference. Yeah, seeing William Sadler off in the distance, and then right behind them, and I and I really love the ghost, dead, Bill and Ted themselves oh, that too. That bleached a, out
1: it, color palette is is a really, great really Interesting choice. Yeah, because it's you know it's playing obviously you have the art movie tone with the with the seven seal references, but you're also you've also become a horror movie.
0: Right. And stylistically, but to we, your we point earlier, that. yeah, and to your point earlier, you still don't need any of that knowledge to be enjoying what you're seeing. No, 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 no. Which is great.
1: But that, but that's again, that's why it's again it's that sort of oscillation between high and low. Which is mm-hmm. so fantastic. It's not just that here's death from the seventh seal looking exactly as he does in that movie, yeah. but there's an underwear crotch gag button yeah. on the scene. And, uh, yeah,
0: so there. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we don't we won't find this out till later, but the nature of Death himself, as played by William Sadler, is a an astonishing bit of comedy as oh, yeah. it's written, as it's directed, as yeah. it's performed like everything coming together in a perfect way yeah and it's
1: everything takes a very sinister turn here i'm still kind of i'm still feel chilled from the from the image of ghost bill and ted watching their doppelgangers try and rape their girlfriends yeah
0: that's pretty but i think
1: but i think that you know there are there's stuff in here which i think minimizes rape culture and that's not good and I blame that on 1991 not this movie yeah but this moment but I also juxtapose that it, with is it's, it's part of the it's part of the horror it's part of the terror yeah like it's built into the terror because they can't that, do anything about
0: it yes that's and, and, the and they heaven. haven't made the choice yet to confront death right um and yeah, um, we get some
1: kind of cutting-edge visual effects here as well. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not it's not as showy or involved as Terminator Two, but it's just as good. Walking through the ghosts looks fantastic.
0: I uh, yeah, well, so that was one of the ones where I thought some people might think that looks janky, but to them, I say, even if you thought that, matches the tone of the movie. Right. I mean, but one, looks... I think you're wrong, but, but it looks two. Good. Yeah, I think it looks good. But two, for those that think it looks like a lesser effect because it was, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. It still matches the tone of the movie. So it still works.
1: And it, it works. It's Howland and Junior's performance that makes it work for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As in, if, like, it, it that, that's, like, he's... The graphic might be basic, I don't know if it was in '91. I don't think it was at all. It might seem that way to us now, but the performance of Hal Landon Jr.
0: Hal Landon Jr. It's one of my notes. He, I was "It's like, its own is special
1: my... effect, right?" Oh, it's, it's, it's so it's... good. This movie is nothing without the strength of its cast. Yeah, and then I love. See, this is what's interesting. Like Bill and Ted in this, and and I made the Beavis and Butthead comparison in the last episode, and I think it's very that's a very apt comparison because. It that works, is a yeah. social satire, and so is Bill and
0: Ted. Mm-hmm. It's it's about it's you know, the opposite. It's the opposite of what you imagine teenagers to be, because the philosophy of Bill and Ted is be excellent to each other. Right, right. So they're they're they're, they're you know you're talking about that them having to be confronted with the evil robots yeah. raping. They're the women that they love. And but I always juxtapose that against like how sweet and kind hearted the two characters are. I mean, and I think I'd forgotten that about these movies, about what charming, good people they are. Yeah. And that goes a long ways. And And I think it it also cuts through the darkness. And I think it's intentional to, you, you know, that's why you can have all the dark shit because you have Bill and Ted, yeah. you know. It's it's it's
1: it's a it's definitely affectionate satire, satire but satire nonetheless. And the same is true of like the you know, nineties yuppies, basically, like Missy's bougie seance group, right? Yeah, and that's what reminds me. It's like, oh, this is social. This is like social satire is at the heart of these movies. Yeah, and maybe that's something else that we've that we've forgotten that it's not. These aren't dumb movies. They're, they're they're movies about types of people that might be considered dumb, right? In some in some contexts,
0: um, <laughs> but yeah. So I. Well, and I, I mean you've referenced it because they go to the séance and and the, you know the, so Missy's se- séance sends them to hell, right. And this and, is where we really get started. And this
1: this this is not this is not the joke that I think is as funny as the first time I saw it, although it's fucking funny. <laughs> uh but I still remember the, the falling into hell from my first viewing of this movie. The the it, you mean the the, the, the like the forever into hell, a perfectly timed and executed gag. Yeah. And a and an incredibly simple one. They mm-hmm. keep screaming because they keep falling, and then <laughs> yeah. they wonder why they're screaming. And they're looking around at how much they're falling. It it sort of doesn't get any better, really. Yeah. I think it's. And when they get to hell, you know, there's, there's that mix of videographic and Was that and the practical. joke you were talking about in the no, ranking? It wasn't. Okay. I, right. the, the, the best is yet to come. All right. Um, <laughs> hell is this mix of videographic and practical. Again, that mm-hmm. early 90s sweet spot of, of uh, two modes of. You know what's great, though,
0: is that it looks like a precursor to South Park. Bigger, longer, and uncut. Like, that's what it looks like. And then when they get into the Hell Maze, it looks like a precursor of Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, right.
1: To the point where I wonder whether Guillermo del Toro's actually... Saw as this movie. talented as... <laughs> no, no, no. Maybe, he's, maybe he saw this movie and was influenced by it. I was like, right, it's right, kind right. of ridiculous how much this looks yeah. like Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, but just that switch to like neo gothic art design
2: mm-hmm.
1: when you get to the military barracks in
0: in this hellscape well because now it's you're expressionistic yeah it's expressionistic but you're at the same time you have vibes of things that you recognize like twilight zone or full metal jacket yeah. and and comic you know the kind of the, the way that
1: comic books are are illustrated yeah. as well
0: and because if you remember *Twilight Zone* the movie, you know this section of the movie looks like certain aspects of, of of one of those stories. I
1: haven't I haven't made that I hadn't made that comparison, but absolutely working on that level, yeah, it's kind of stunning how much how the kind of set design there is in this
0: this kind mm-hmm. of a movie. Exactly, like yeah, so much into it. And then, but that's you know, what I mean about drawing from the deep well. And that's, I mean, I, I just respect this movie so infinitely for the ideas behind every choice that's made. Yeah. you know, they're, we, they're endlessly fascinating. Alex Winter plays his own granny. And, you know,
1: <laughs> it's in a scene as chilling as anything in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. It's
0: the Easter but it Bunny also, as well. it also plays on that thing of, when you're a small child, the way you build it up in your mind. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, like expressionistic, it's it's right. a
1: psychologized version of 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 representation, and it's magnificent. And and yeah. okay, so here it is. Here is one of my favorite jokes in comedy cinema, right here. It's the playing battleship
0: with death. Okay. <laughs> with death. <laughs> I was gonna say, is so when they summoned. I mean, summoned death and the battleship and i, I mean, and in in whatever
1: 92 93 i didn't know that i hadn't seen the seventh seal so i didn't know how funny this is
0: that's what i meant in our ranking episode where yeah. i knew of the seventh seal but that at that time i hadn't seen it but it so some of it goes over me a little bit right but it's it's
1: just the idea of it is funny the bones of it right. are funny yeah Oh. The idea of playing Battleship, you know, death challenges to your game, you expect And you have it to, to be keep in chess, mind
0: But it's yeah. not.
2: Yeah. But it's Battleship.
0: Yeah. But you also have to keep in mind that it's prefaced with death's you know, the reason they they gave him the Melvin and ran away was because Death had said no one has ever beaten me in yeah. anything. Yeah. You get to choose the game, but no one's beaten me ever. And then, of course, you have William Sadler. And when you get to have William Sadler saying, You sunk my battleship.
2: You have sunk my battleship. Excellent! Yeah!
0: I
1: have, well, I have that, that, I mean, that line. That's the first time we even get an inkling that William Sadler is going to be a comic character. Right. And that speaks to his ability to fluidly move between drama and comedy.
0: Yeah, yeah and then you the, start to And then this think, line... Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: you will start sunk my think, battleship. It, uh, is he going to be the character of, of very few words? Right, right. And then, yeah, of course, once you have the battle... And I just... And this is also where you get the different idea of the character because i love the idea of him being a sore loser and childlike yes. and yeah, i mean all it's... of that works astonishingly well and you know what
1: i i really i want to like I, obviously i'm more analytical watching it now than i was when i was when sure. i was younger and i can see now like what makes this set piece stand out they are not in a rush to get this joke out of there.
2: Mm hmm.
1: Right. You can let it breathe. A lesser director, a lesser screenplay would rush the shit out of this. Yeah. They'd montage it, they'd cover it with music.
0: Well, and that's the other thing, because this movie, this movie is st- like structured like Tightly. to the minute. To the minute, yeah. I,
1: <laughs> I have that know, note. Yeah, it's a it's like it's a tight three act structure, literally so tight, so tight, th- literally like, you know, you you tick over the 30 minute mark mm-hmm. and there's a, there's a there's a key turning point in the narrative. Right. And then the same thing <laughs> happens 30 minutes later.
0: Yeah. Exactly. It's per- I mean, it's perfect. And the so thing- they are they are in hell and dealing with death for exactly or very close to 30 minutes yeah. in an hour and 30 minute movie. You know, for that for that
1: reason alone, I agree that this should be taught in uh, in film so, film school. Yeah,
0: exactly. That that's that's the, that's the thing that really struck me about this movie when I when I watched it for the purposes of of this podcast. And just the just the confidence as, as a director
1: and as performers, especially performers that like a part, not William Sadler, but the other two get a lot of shit for not being good actors, which bugs the hell out of
0: me, which is uh, yeah, it bugs me too. Um, the the the
1: comedy is made through a, simple acting and editing choices. Yeah, not overthinking, overcomplicating, not too much mise en scène. You just let the joke breathe, and it'll it'll it can run and run,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: build and build, and it does. Just yeah, just don't get in its way. Just don't stop. Don't get on in its way. Don't step on its feet. You know, I had this is my biggest. Uh, irritation of directors who claim to be comedy directors stepping on the joke visually or orally mm-hmm. or don't do it. Just get out the of the way, Paul Thomas Just... Anderson.
0: <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> but it's really, was really interesting. Can this you get a... maybe for the audience? Can you give a specific example of what it is you're talking about? Like what? What's a specific can, thing he I, does I, I in can... Licorice Pizza or whatever? Yeah,
1: well, I don't yeah, I, I, I can't relive that movie right now. But um <laughs>
2: okay, I was gonna
1: say in the ranking episode, but I didn't get around to saying it, that part of the reason why I'm in such awe of these early nineties comedies mm-hmm. is because we simply don't have that balance now. Right. In comedy cinema. When I see Hollywood comedy movies, and admittedly I don't see enough of them to make general assumptions, but when I do see them, I'm either insulted they either insult my intelligence mm-hmm. or their lofty ambitions miss out comedy altogether. Right. Yeah, they fall. And off the reason cliff. licorice pizza errors say to me so much is it's both. <laughs> <laughs> it's a failure on both counts.
0: <laughs> Alright then. So
1: and again that makes me question whether, you know, is this really as good as I think it is, or it's just because there is is because modern day cinema doesn't try to bridge the gap between mm-hmm. two different kinds of cinema. That's what this movie is all about. And that's why it's brilliant.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's take another break. All right. Then we'll come back. We'll come back and finish up. How about that? <laughs> Bash Paul Thomas Anderson some more. He made some good films. <laughs> Boogie Nights. Love it to death. Boogie Nights is great. <laughs> I, I And I'm a bigger fan than you are. But you know what? Let's not get it. Let's not go down the road. <laughs> fuck's sake! We'll talk about it for another ten minutes. We'll we'll take a break and come back, everybody. He's, not, he's knocking on my closet door. We gotta go.
1: <laughs> Excuse me. I heard you were talking shit. If, you go, if you're gonna live in the same apartment as me, please do not trash my films audibly in the same room as me. Is what he you saying? <laughs> we'll be right back, everyone. God gave me... If you're anything like me, you spend the majority of the day wondering whether you want coffee, beer or wine. Whichever way you fall, Brew Bar has you covered. Located in the heart of Third Avenue Village in glorious downtown Chula Vista, California, which is also my neck of the woods, Brew Bar is a coffee shop, bar and eatery rolled into one delightful package. Tim and Alex run the place and let me tell you listeners, these guys know their coffee. And after you've been in their company so will you. They turn me on to pour over and it's literally all I drink now. If for some crazy reason you don't want to try the best coffee in the world they've got espresso drinks all kinds of teas and even coffee cocktails you heard me coffee tails. and we're just getting started bottle service on craft beer and wine alcoholic and caffeinated potions and all day food menu with plenty of vegan options all served up in an atmosphere hip enough to know you're getting the best quality, but not too hip that you feel the need to drive to 7-Eleven and get a bucket of brown swill. Brewbar. It's the best place to be for beer, wine, coffee and tea.
0: And if you go, you might even see me. And of course, we are back once again, ladies and gentlemen, finishing up with Bill and Ted's bogus journey. I fucking love this movie. Mhm. <laughs> fucking love this movie.
1: Also, we we just picked up with the the introduc- well, not the introduction of death as a com- comedic character, but it's mm-hmm. also important that he's the straight man. Right. In the routine. Yeah. So, you're right. We now have an entirely new element to the central dynamic. It's like you've got like the com- like it's not just the characters and the story that's moving forward, it's the comedy is actually moving forward it's becoming a different kind of comedy
0: yeah it's a comedy of two you got, the, two, you've the got stri- two costellos and now you've added an abbot right right or like
1: marx yeah. brothers i suppose you know you've, got, right, you've yeah. got your i mean he's you know he's not he he's better than a zeppo so i suppose he's like <laughs> a he's a chico i suppose in a sense there you he's go sort <laughs> of like not as extreme as the other two or maybe even a groucho i don't know you're right
0: But I have have constant notes where, you know, the the first act ends and I say I wrote perfect first act. The second act ended, I I wrote outdid the first act. It runs like plot work. I mean, it's, you know, the well-oiled machine that this movie is really astonished me when I watched it. Yeah. It was a joy to find that out about this movie. And yet, it
1: feels indulgent in the right way. You don't feel like you're. It doesn't feel utilitarian ever. No, I mean when they're when they're kind of playing tennis with their with their robot heads, it's like <laughs> it's like you're still having fun. It's just like you're having fun, but on time. And you
0: know, speaking <laughs> yeah, exactly. And speaking to your point. Earlier about the actors themselves and having in the past gotten shit for not being good actors. Yeah. Watch this movie, and watch them play Bill and Ted, essentially exactly the same. <laughs> yes. But evil. Right, and it totally completely because it's all there. Way. You would never mistake the two. You never, you never would have interchanged them. You Most know exactly who they are. Most would die for
1: that level of subtlety. oh Uh. It's about here that we're... Well, we go to heaven. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, again, more more like great interplay of video and practical mm-hmm. effects. We got, you know, something as simple as a glass floor. Right. And then some more kind of complex... And that's, that's how they effect. walk in. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's the first thing you see.
1: Um, again, like, you know, it's like the twins in Judgment Day. Sometimes <laughs> the simplest answer is the best.
0: Is the best About answer. how we do that. exactly Yeah. Uh,
1: we just film them, off in, you know, from under underneath glass. Um, and station. <laughs> and fucking Ex- station. Exquisite creature design. and puppetry. Yeah. Again, it enters into a whole different domain of filmmaking.
2: It's I mean, like, it,
0: it's... It's like we're in Labyrinth suddenly. I was going to... I was. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say it's, you know, because they also kind of look like a version of the creatures, the good creatures, the, you know, the sort of wizards from the Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal,
1: very much so, yeah. You
0: know, at least in the face. It's like... And, but, but you know what? You know, but they're as good the, as anything Jim Henson has ever done.
1: I have exactly the same. I say it's the equal of a Yoda or a Jabba in design. In design but yeah. it might even be better because I don't know what magic they work visual magic they're working here but this puppet has a mobility that that the Lucas Henson puppets never had yeah right when when station is going around the parking lot and in the in the DIY store it's like mm-hmm. he is moving with the rest of the characters yeah I actually really don't know how they pulled it off I, I'm sure it's a very complex interplay of like blue screen and and puppetry
2: mm-hmm
1: but it looks entirely organic. I don't see the seams at all. Yeah. So I think this might be like, this is Henson Plus. (laughs) Right? This is not like, you're not matching Henson. You're, you're, you know. You're exceeding Henson. That fucking Yoda puppet, its eye started doing weird things after one movie. (laughs) You know, it's like, Jabba couldn't go fucking anywhere. Right. This guy's got it all. Station has it all. <laughs> and again, it's like, why aren't people talking about Station when we go back through the annals of creature yeah, design? Right. Is mm-hmm. it just me who's impressed by this? Is no one else impressed? <laughs> <laughs> so, and, oh, and it's just, fuck. it's so random and so surreally silly, All everything to do with Station. It's I, just glorious. I, like, we've, it's like we've, got, to... we've abandoned logic for like Twenty minutes. Yeah, right. It is beautiful
2: to but have that also... in
1: your screenplay, which otherwise is like explains everything, <laughs> but refuses to explain this. That's how you know you work that, on another right, level. You're right, exactly. You can go well, and the this entirely is random your... character will never <laughs> be explained.
0: You're also dealing with two creatures that are never going to be fully explained, but upon meeting them, they are playing charades and they are trying to deliver Smokey and the Bandit Part Three.
1: And then Butch and Sundance, the early years, and then earlier oh, in the movie, great. there's a reference to Exorcist Three, um, yeah, which is where the one know, and three, <laughs> one and three, but yeah. it's there. It's, it, it's an acknowledgement that we're in the world of sequels, and it's beautifully done. Yeah, and so much. That's what I'm saying about like I never noticed that that was, that was pointed at sequels, because I remember I remember the joke of death guessing butch and sundance the early years and the embarrassment <laughs> of it being a right. joke but i'm like yeah that's still the joke and if you didn't yeah. understand the significance of it it's as funny but oh <laughs> that's a famous and famously bad sequel <laughs> yeah like smokey and the bandit three or Part two three. whatever yeah i'm like oh they're because smokey is the bandit they're talking about them <laughs> and i'm like oh no, i'm going oh they're talking about themselves Right. That's what they're worried this is. I mean, it's perfect. It's amazing. Oh, just just beautiful. Uh, I love the DIY store montage. It's like mm-hmm. action movie mission prep meets the dressing up montage. It's just great this yeah. the, i'm so glad they chose this as their montage opportunity not the battle not the playing games with death not thing. the
0: playing games exactly because not that the battle would have been, with that's death. the low hanging fruit to do that that would have montage. been upsetting right and, because and the, <laughs> because the joke the amount is silent time right yeah <laughs>
1: it's the silence it's them playing battleships in silence that's the that's <laughs> that's what's why it's one of the best jokes in cinema
0: There's time of
1: them actually, they're actually playing the game for real, like, you don't get a sense of, like, we're not cutting to, you're not using music to cut to another scene. Yeah. Immediately. (laughs) That's fucking great. There's a great, something as well that is so 1991 in this scene, for me. And it just reminds- The DIY? In the DIY story, like, just reminds me of what the the tone of media was at the time. Of mm-hmm. me of like me growing up was when Death walks past someone who's smoking and says, you know, yes. I'll see you soon.
0: See you soon. And it's
1: that turn towards moralizing in nineties movies, like family friendly. Right. To the point now where if, if anything has a cigarette anywhere near it, well, and it's, you have to put up a thing that says,
0: Yeah, it's historically significant because we were at a time in which we were we were transitioning from if you smoked, you smoked. And it was even probably thought of as cool to right. these are terrible things that will give you cancer and bring death to you. Yeah. And we have politically we have, you know, the, the tobacco companies yeah. are being sued. Exactly. By the federal government. And so, you know, it's all wrapped up in that it as is. well.
1: And it's, it's, it's the difference between Ghostbusters 84 and Ghostbusters 289. Yeah. You know, right. Literally, no one has. Literally, yeah. everyone in that movie has a cigarette hanging out of their mouth. Yeah. In the original, not one to be seen in nineteen ninety nine. Um, another, another robot version of Bill and Ted. Not just another version of Bill and not just another version of Bill right. and Ted. Another robot version.
0: That's that's two yeah. sets yes. of robot
1: Bill and Ted. So now
0: we've got three sets of Bill and Ted's. Two of them are robots.
1: Yeah, uh, and I just love that the the aesthetic seems to be the Dire Straits video "Money for Nothing." Mm-hmm. <laughs> they want them to look like those digital characters <laughs> in the in it's the a... in the video that launched MTV.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's somewhere around here. I think it's also maybe it's in the store where. Where death says reaping burns a lot of calories. That's right.
1: Yeah, don't discount my ass. I think he says. It's, yeah. Ugh. Um. And this is another another animatronic practical masterpiece. The these robots. Yeah, they look like they literally look like
0: they're made from a homemade kit, which is what they are in. Film. Which is what they were. Yeah. It. That's the thing I love about it is you have the exact replicas. Yeah. And then you have Station that puts these together out of But 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 it's also <laughs> carefully constructed by yes. the filmmakers yeah. to look to look different but but right. You know what I mean? In the sense Definitely. of like these could actually it, work. Th- these could actually work,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um this kind of homemade quality. And let's not forget, by this point Station's turned into Into one being. Into one being. And at some point, he goes back into being two beings. I don't remember seeing that happen, but it happens at some point. Because now that that's happened, everything is off the table with Station. We don't (laughs) need to see that again. We know he can randomly change states. (laughs) (laughs) I I really love here that we get the um, the -the round-the-world montage. Mm Mm-hmm. Which were rem- reminiscent of the Superman movies. Yeah, right. Could almost be the same Italian running the Pisa Tower.
0: The Pisa. Stuff. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Superman 3. And I gotta say, it makes all the difference double casting Sadler as the
0: British guy. As the British guy, right. Just perfect. Well, and. Be- You know, from a comedic level, the reason it works is because you're showing literally everywhere in the world glued to the San Dimas Battle of the Bands (laughs) contest, which is patently absurd. It is. It really is. Uh,
1: But that's why it works. But also that, you know, it's a very good choice. as like doing the show, you know, the dramatic showdown of the movie as a concert appearance
0: in front of an audience. Well, and I forgot that you know the first people you're really seeing there is Primus.
2: That's right,
0: Primus.
1: Well, we, <laughs> let's not forget that we've seen uh, Sir James Martin from Faith, Faith No More. From Faith No More, in the very yeah. first scene at, of this the movie, at the beginning
0: of our film, yes.
1: Founder of the uh, Faith No More Spiritual Spiritual and Theological Center. Um, right. But what's interesting here is like having having basically abandoned. Time travel for the entirety of the movie—it comes back hard here,
0: yeah, hard and fast.
1: Also, in an inventive way, like they—they basically they figure out that we have access to time travel, so whatever we make happen is going to happen.
0: Well, this is sort of that sequel convention too, because they, yeah, which is such an advanced use of that plotting. This is a sequel convention in the sense of the one-upsmanship because sure. this is a plot point from the first movie. Yeah. But then the villain. Yes. You know what I mean? So they they up the stakes. It's an up the stakes kind of sequel up the convention.
1: Uh moment. Um, yeah. You're right. I'm just surprised like it's not more not a more common device, because it can get you out of all kinds of trouble. You mean in these movies? In or any, in in any, all any movie of travel movies. Yeah. Right. I would I would I would use that device at a drop of a hat if I was stuck. Sure, right. Uh here's about where we find out that uh George Carlin yes, that, is inside Pam Greer.
0: Inside yeah, that as, Pam Greer is sure, in fact, George Carlin. I know it
1: would make me happy. I'm sure it makes him very happy as well. <laughs> um a lucky guy. Uh yeah, so it's so this is the reveal and it was Rufus all along. Guiding them, right. Also of the did you
0: did you remember that by the way?
1: No. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) Um, Also, that denominus as 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 you revealed, is rather than being Rufus's nemesis, he's his old gym teacher. It's amazing, (laughs) which is (laughs) a fantastic reveal. Um, (sighs) But here's another point where they use time travel in in like a really interesting way. They say, "Let's go off and get good and come back." Yeah, <laughs> right. And it's like that's, sixteen months. But that's like the philosophy of the screenplay, isn't it? It's like we can't waste a second, right? Everything so it's mm-hmm. like so if we have time travel, let's use it as a way to to do passage of time. Yeah, without having to to like cut to another scene or add another scene in.
0: It reminds you of Einstein going into the future for by one minute.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, also when they come back their beards are a delight. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just and then you know we're basically into the into the credits at that point. Mhm. Um, which I
0: have nothing to say about. No credit check? for of course, you? of course I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> of course I do. I was like, you know, because I I cut myself halfway through it, I noticed something about whatever it said, excellent gaffers or something like that. Yeah. And uh, it gave me a chuckle.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I have that. So, I mean, this actually, this is, this is, this credit check is pretty, pretty much the movie. Like, it's still part of the movie. Mm -hmm. That's, That's my first note where we have... Well, like... I would
0: contend all credits are still a part of the movie. You're I don't wait until the well, credits are Well, obviously I done. think
1: that too. But for you know, for the norms out there, right? this is not one of the more skippable ones. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're going to watch the next movie. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: So we get what is kind of like some like newspaper articles that are moving in a kind of screensaver fashion. Across the screen, yes, (laughs) kind of
0: bouncing around in this proto screensaver. Uh, But you got newspaper, you got magazines, magazine articles. Yeah, you've got covers, and it's like it's a
1: succession of in jokes that may or may not be canon, depending on whether this is the end of the story or they go on and do another movie. So, kind of gives us the (laughs) flexibility to play it both ways. Yeah, you suspect that they they this could be the button on the series perfectly well
2: <laughs>
1: they might have achieved all their aims but you you know it's like if not you can cherry pick what you like for the next movie
2: mm-hmm.
1: because all of all of these headlines are not gonna come to fruition
0: <laughs> but some of them could um. They seem to they seem to suggest in the next movie that almost all of them did.
1: Yeah, yeah, quite a few of them did. Crucially, yeah, yeah some of them did. Um, and then, like you said, you know that they're they're playing with the credits, naked gun style, uh, putting evil and right. good precursors in front of uh, people's names. Uh, non heinous, Stella, bodacious. Right. Again, not
0: wasting a second in the movie. The credits are as entertaining as the rest of the movie. Uh, well, we're... and we didn't mention this, but, you know, at, at certain points in the movie, when they're saying. You know, like not non heinous or like yeah. they say heinous, heinous, non, you know, I forget which one, one they went. I guess it was heinous, 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 heinous. Like, yeah. you know, there's a positive or a negative depending on how many times. Right. right. Alex Winters says it, which I really like. I do, too. Um, William Shatner gets
1: his own thank you mm-hmm. irrespective of Paramount approving that clip from Star Trek
0: which makes me think they oh, wait, may have I...
1: had to negotiate with him separately
0: for use. Of... I think it was non 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 heinous oh, okay. right maybe that was it anyway um, go the, on
1: sir the Bill and Ted novelty song yeah I know this was the time for such a thing but I still get annoyed by songs made entirely of sound clips. It was not a good period for music in that sense. Right. But this time has gone and it still grates on me. Um, I love that this movie ends with like a, you know, be excellent to each other and party on. Yeah. Like at the end of the credits. Like, this is exactly the kind of affirmation that,
0: because this is the philosophy of Bill and Ted. Yes, and I love that it's at the end of the credits. Yeah,
1: there's a, there's a, you know, there's a char- It yeah, it's it's a, it just kind of caps off the the charm of this movie. I think. Yeah. And it's affirmation and, and positive energy for one, positive energy. Of a less, it's my last one, note. Like once the of, last one of says, a less New Agey phrase, but that's kind of right. what it is.
0: My last note is like the simple philosophy philosophy of be excellent to each other, mm-hmm. and that kind of says everything about the movie and these two characters. Right.
1: It did completely, and it's an attitude, and it's a yeah, it's a an, it's another attitude that is that is scarce in more recent comedy. Right. Like we're, we're pushed to e- you know to to either embrace characters to stupid extents or or be detached from them ironically it's like here you can kind of have it both ways yeah it's smart enough for you to have that that ironic detachment
0: there's no cynicism but right for, but there's no cynicism towards Ted. the
1: characters themselves and it's such a good yeah. it's such a good like a working rule of how to do comedic characters and i'm surprised that we've forgotten about that
0: have gotten so far away from it
1: so far away from it um apart from that you know i haven't really mentioned like My only nitpicks about this movie, uh, there's a little too much objectification of women Mm -hmm. um, looking down the bra. For some reason, we're only filming Pam Grier from behind um, at certain points and with the camera between her legs, which I find disturbing. The minimalization of, of rape in relation to the princesses, I think, is problematic, and then there's a and the terrible of, piece of homophobia in the final
0: scene. Yeah, I was gonna, I was just gonna say the dropping of Bill and Ted, with the homophobia.
1: Yeah, with with uh, Joss Ackland. But that's it, also a it,
0: callback to the first film.
1: Yeah, but we, but you know that they had, it. Even has to be. It's clearly not even Joss Ackland making the aroused noise. It's clearly a piece of ADR. So that just <laughs> right. says it all about how that shouldn't have been in there. Yeah. Um but those are nineteen ninety one things. I don't lay that at the door of right. the movie at all. you yeah. would get that in any nineteen ninety one movie. Unthinkingly. Absolutely. Um Yeah, unflinchingly. <laughs> yeah. And so you know, and sometimes it you know The other thing that's kind of interesting and I think that's what they're trying to kind of apologize for or answer in the next movie, and I don't know how successful they are at it, but certain kind of sexual morals the idea of the foursome here mm-hmm. is kind of embraced in a way it isn't in the next movie, which I found interesting. Well, like the, the idea of that they're just this happy foursome who might all have sex with each other. We don't know. It's sort of fine because it's the 90s and we're looser. But
0: I in the next movie, they have to have from... a therapy
1: session about that.
0: Yeah, but to me, that's not wrapped up in the sexuality of the couples. It's wrapped up in the.
1: There's a couple friendship. of moments that make that pretty explicit. That, in in this movie.
0: In this movie. I think so. Well, what? Just because they have uh, two beds in the same room. <laughs> well, that that might be part of it. Yeah. Maybe that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's weird that the
1: more recent movie, is kind of denormalizing that. Whereas the early 90s movies are like, yeah, whatever the fuck you want to do, whatever you want your relationship to be. Yeah, right. It's kind of funny. It's like, we've become more entrenched in our conservative attitudes to sex and relationships the more time has gone on, which seems counterintuitive.
0: But that's all I had. Alright. This is a great fucking movie.
1: Yeah, you should you should, uh, you, the listener, if you have misgivings <laughs> about this movie, you should go back and watch it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's on HBO Max. Do it. Do it now. Watch some. Watch some other stuff first. You know, I mean, go ahead and watch the Seventh Seal. Twilight Zone and... movie. Yeah, I mean, you might that episode you might of wanna... Star Trek. You might want to watch Full Metal Jacket, some Twilight Zone. Oh yeah, there's a
1: little it. Full Metal Jacket, isn't there, in the military yeah. barracks? Yeah, 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 yeah. Working on that Maybe, three
0: to uh, seven years rule. The 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 cabinet of Doctor, uh, Calgary, or Wings of Desire, even, or you know, so, and some some Wim wenders uh, are. Uh, well, yeah, Wim is, wenders. Shit.
1: All of that is in here, and for us yeah. to say that without question means that. It's a smart movie.
0: Right, exactly. (laughs) All right, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Bill and Ted's uh, Bogus Journey is in the books. Coming up next, of course, we'll be talking about Bill and Ted as they face the music. Tell us what you think of Bogus Journey, though. We really want to know. Do you love it as much as we do? Find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Please send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. The man is Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. I am Michael Chance of the How Dare You Awards. You'll be hearing us next week for uh, "As We Face the Music." Say goodbye, Tom. I can't believe we just Melvin Death. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect end. From high to low. Yep. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, you'll be hearing from us next week or next time, whenever.
2: (laughs) So long.